0: Hello and welcome to Final Games, a podcast about the games that inspired us. As always, I'm your host, Liam Edwards, and thank you for joining me for the second ever End of Year 8 episode of the show, where we look back at this year in games, and I choose the eight games from this year in which I would like to take with me to the island of 2017. And my word, what an incredible year 2017 has been for games forgetting all the other stuff that's happening in the world right now and all the doom and gloom that tends to follow us these days we thought 2016 was bad while 2017 gave us a right kicking in the teeth but in terms of video games my my word have have we had a better year for games within the past 20 or so i don't know it's been A wonderful year to be a fan of video games, whether you play Nintendo games, whether you play PlayStation games, whether you play Xbox games, PC games. It really doesn't matter because this year has been just fantastic. A a whole host of wonderful titles and creative and fantastic magical experiences for us all to enjoy have been released this year and I, I can't think of a better year personally myself that video games have really had there's such a variety in video games these days from our A titles that we had a lot of stagnation with in the last generation um, and they seem to dominate that generation with games like Assassin's Creed and Uh, Call of Duty and Battlefield you still got games like that standing out but amongst that we have all these wonderful and weird creative games coming out of of course Nintendo with uh, games like Arms and Breath of the Wild and Splatoon and all those kind of wonderful experiences that they create but also these wonderful indie titles as well that are seeing prominent support from consoles like the Switch and all that kind of stuff so Wow, it's been a fantastic year for video games, and I think I think you'll all agree that when we look back on 2017, in terms of video games, it's been a delightful year. And I imagine just like me, many of you have a back catalogue of video games that is just stacked to the roof at the moment. And of course, when choosing eight games to take with me to the island 2017, I've not been able to play all of the games of this year. And I've also not been able to include all the games I have played this year, the ones that I've enjoyed. So, honourable mentions already go out to games like Nier Automata, which is a game I'm thoroughly enjoying and playing right now. And I haven't been able to finish quite in time for this, but I imagine it would... Maybe have made this list if I would played it sooner, I just hadn't had a chance. Uh, Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle, what a game that turned out to be, and so unexpected, but it turned out to be fantastic. Big shout out to David A. Salande, who is a wonderful person, who I've had the pleasure of speaking to as well. Um, Of course, games like PUBG. I'm making everyone sort of end-of-year lists. Um, it's only just released as a full game, having been, you know, sort of in beta before that. I've not been able to jump on that train too much. I've played a few matches of PUBG, and I understand the appeal. And I imagine when you were going to a deserted place or a deserted island, that's exactly the kind of game you want to be taking with you. But I've not quite grasped it yet. Uh, a friend of mine bought it, bought it for me for Christmas, and, um, well, you know, maybe maybe by this time next year I'll be wanting to take it with me and hopefully in the 2018 of the final game's run of episodes we'll see more PUBG on people's lists. We haven't had it so far Um, so it'll be very intriguing to see if uh, someone's going to take it with them. In terms of like other games like Resident Evil 7, uh, Resident Evil's back on form as well. Who would have thought that you know Capcom sort of had a great end of year after the sort of troubles and trepidations they were going through they turned out to have, be having a fantastic year as well with Resident Evil 7 the latest Marvel versus Capcom game of course we had Street Fighter and uh, you know the Mega Man announcement towards the end of the year so they're doing fantastic too other incredible games like Horizon Zero Dawn unfortunately did not make my list this year but that's a fantastic game and also if you haven't Please go out and check out former Final Games guest Daini O'Dwyer's no-clip documentary about Gorilla and the making of Horizon Zero Dawn. If you have any interest in making video games or the process that goes behind them, you should definitely be checking that out. Oh, some other huge titles that didn't make the list, of course, is like uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I haven't finished that game yet. I came very late towards the end of this year, and I've been playing that a little bit. That's a very good game, too. Uh, there's just Neo that's another fantastic game that didn't quite make the list but was a lot of fun uh mario kart 8 deluxe kind of cheating but that was a fantastic game too fire emblem warriors i really enjoyed that on the switch as well and um what a year it's been especially if you like nintendo games as well so i mean there's no beating around the bush this year has been a very special year for nintendo we have the switch came out in march this year it's not even been out a year yet and still even in the episodes of final games from this year we've spoken so heavily about the switch and some of the games that are featured on it it's been quite a spectacular year for nintendo in general and i will admit of course going into this year this end of year episode this sort of the island of 2017 i wanted to balance out the Switch against other games I've been playing on other consoles as well, but unfortunately it was just too difficult because I've played predominantly on the Switch all year. I've been traveling a lot, I've been going up and down Japan and to the UK and different kind of things like that and I've taken the Switch everywhere with me and not only has the Nintendo offered a console that just allows you to play console games on a portable, but the amount of games they've released this year and including all the indie developers who have just pumped the eShop on the Switch full of games. It's been such a great year to have a Switch and and to be playing it. So there is of course quite a, quite a few Switch games on my list. I had to limit it a little bit. I tried my best. So I balanced it between four kind of Switch games and maybe four other games on other consoles, just so I'm not too heavy in one, in one favor. Although I definitely could have made a Island of 2017 Switch Spectacular uh, as a separate episode to this because the Switch has just dominated this year for me personally, and I imagine so many of you too, also. It's just a wonderful, a wonderful little console that has been just the highlight of the year for me. So, going into this, it was uh, narrowing it down was a little difficult. I was trying my best to think about the, in, the, the whole sort of premise of Final Games and the, the going to the deserted place going to the island we want to take games with us that are going to last they're going to be fun but also we have to think about the this year in terms of what are what are what are the best games from this year uh especially for me personally what are the best games i've played this year and how much fun i've had so i've sort of broken it down and i imagine a lot of you will already expect a certain few games on this list to appear um there may be some surprises on there too because there are a lot of games that i spend a lot of time with that uh, other people haven't included on their Game of the Year list that I've seen so far um, so who knows, maybe you'll be a, a little surprised by some of them but I'm hoping you'll enjoy this episode and uh, maybe you'll be nodding along with me to, uh, in agreement to some of them and, and shouting and screaming at the uh, the speaker you're listening to this through in disapprovement of my choices so far, but please please get in touch with me, let me know what yours favorite games of this year especially the games that you would take with you to the island of 2017 and you know we'll have a chat about it online and let's compare but getting into it i mean as i said 2017 has been an incredible year for games and starting out this technic the first game on my list technically was a game that i played in 2016 but in japanese originally and then when the full game got a release that early back in february of 2017 this year i think um I just had to play it again. I had to play it in English and just get that full experience that I didn't quite get through the Japanese version. But of course, let's listen to just some, some fantastic music from this first game. The first game of The Island of 2017. And let's, of course, jump right into it. <laughs> off for the island of 2017 the games that i'm going to be taking with me to see out the year and you know hide away for the next year and (laughs) build up my back catalog of course is is a role-playing game developed by atlas it was originally released in september of 2016 uh in japan here and i was at tgs when it came out and i just couldn't help but pick it up i'd seen it at tgs i'd i'd played a little bit of it and I just immediately went straight to Yodobashi camera and I picked up the game because I just couldn't I couldn't let that game be released around me and not be able to play it. So I played a little bit in Japanese. I, I got about twenty hours in in the Japanese version. My Japanese is not that great and there's a lot of difficult kanji in that game so I just sort of had to put it aside until it got released in April this year not February. February was when it was originally meant to be released but it got delayed until April this year and when I picked it up in April I was finally able to experience this and what a fantastic game it is. I I know it's featuring on many many Game of the Year uh, lists from places like GameSpot and stuff like that. A friend of mine, Lucy James she included it as her Game of the Year It's sort of gripped its claws into so many people, so many people who love JRPGs and and basically just very stylish experiences. It is of course Persona 5 and I've been a big fan of the Persona series since I first played Persona 3 back in I think it was 2009 when a friend of mine uh, who became my housemate for university. Uh, moved in and he had this PlayStation 2 game. And we had like a month between September and October between when we moved into our university house and when we had to start our lectures. And he had this game called Persona 3 on PlayStation 2, and it was a JRPG. And we thought, oh, we can spend a month playing this JRPG. Um, you know, we'll figure it, figure it out. I knew what the Shin Megami Tensei series was prior, and I'd seen, like, Innocent Sin and Persona. I'd seen the box art and stuff like that, but I'd never really played the series before. And we played this game, and it, it would playing through persona 3 the whole of that september month was just one of the best experiences i remember from university it kicked things off in the right way basically skipping all lectures to just play video games with my friends and from then on i was just a big fan of persona and i remember when persona 4 got announced i remember when it came out on playstation 2 and this was even when the playstation 3 was out at this point and playing uh, Persona 3 to Persona 4, just the series continued to get stronger and stronger. Eventually we had Persona 4 Golden for the PlayStation Vita, which was another amazing way to play a Persona game and the best way to play Persona 4 specifically. And of course, that brought a whole sort of new generation of Persona fans on board and and sort of it gave the Persona series a... A highlight in the west and then we had the dancing game dancing all night which i bought when i first moved to japan and played incessantly on the playstation vita on trains here in japan and that it got even bigger and it had this new audience in the west so when it came to persona 5 uh, a, a game that i think was in development f- since when Catherine got released in 2011 so this game was in in development for a good long time five to six years By that time, it had this huge following in the West, and um, it really was, I don't know, like a a brand new thing for Atlas to have two audiences, and going for the very stylistic uh, tones that Persona 5 goes for was interesting, and I, I don't know whether there was a hint of, oh, we have to sort of make this appeal to the West as well, but... It's incredibly Japanese on top of it, taking place in Shibuya, uh, with the character living in Sangenjaya, which is a very nice area of Tokyo. Uh, sh- this sort of Shibuya area specifically. It's what can we say about Persona Five that isn't hasn't already been said? It's very similar to the Persona Five game, uh, Persona games in the past. You go to school, you make uh, your sort of social links, you make friends, you go on dates, you do all that kind of sort of weird uh, visual novel esque stuff that is so interesting in Persona. And especially as someone who has taught in Japanese high schools and junior high schools here, it's such a weird reality for me to almost see, like, my real life reflected. uh, There are definitely some similarities between, I imagine, what people in the West went to school like and, of course, what Persona represents. But Persona is so on on point when it comes to like representing like a Japanese life like studying, working, the the clubs, going to like sports club, going to all the different clubs you can go to and it's so weirdly real that that sometimes it really took me by surprise and it was only until I'd played Persona 5 that I really started to notice because I had played Persona 4 before coming to Japan so playing Persona 5 and having my my reality of Japanese life here being reflected in a video game, but with demons and sneaking through a alternate reality sort of in a dungeon was <laughs> kind of crazy, but kind of cool at the same time. And I think that made it appeal to me even more um, than maybe it did to other people. But in terms of being a JRPG, <clears throat> Persona games are, are renowned for being long, extremely long and maybe difficult experiences um persona 5 i think maybe did drag out a little bit in terms of i think the game could have finished a lot earlier than it did and for some people i have some friends it took like them 180 hours to finish the game just because of all the stuff you could do and the ways you can get distracted in this game are there are nigh on so many ways you can get distracted and stuff like that but the story was so good i enjoyed the story so much that. Cast of characters for Persona 5 are so varied um, compared to other entries in the series. I think, you know, you have your sort of set junior high, uh, your set high school students, not junior high, uh, your set sort of high school students, but each one in Persona 5 had a very sort of, sort of unique anime trope to them. and There was a little more anime background to this game, sort of, so you had, um, you know, you had your student council president, you sort of had your art prodigy, You had your sort of hikakamori, like, hacker. And um, you had all these sort of different anime tropes in character background form, essentially, which made the characters have a bit more of a a sort of personality to them. They weren't just distinct junior high school students that you were friends with, um, like you were in the other game. Like, Chie had a great personality, and, um, you know, Yusuke and stuff like that. And even going back to Junpei in uh, Persona 3, they had personality, but there was nothing sort of to them um, other than the sort of stuff that you experienced in their like side stories for the main quests in those games. But in terms of building character and um giving each person a sort of identity in Persona 5, they do that a lot better. It's very anime trope, but it's definitely a lot better uh when it comes to building characters, I think. Um it's just Persona 5 is such a strong game. And I imagine if you were going to a deserted island you'd want to take you'd want to take a big long JRPG with you to <laughs> fight your way through the the time. Although I can imagine, especially after sort of the long slog you have with the Persona games, they are hard to maybe pick up again. So that sort of lacks the replayability. But if you're a big fan of completion, I mean, the one thing about Persona is you can, you know, get all the Personas. You can work hard. It's kind of like adult Pokemon and you can do your best to sort of get all of the Personas and build the Persona book. I forget what the book is called in the game. They're like the the sort of directory of all the Personas. But you can spend a lot of time doing that. You can spend a lot of time trying to finish everything in the game, maxing all your skills, studying hard, working hard, getting your luck up, and doing all those kind of things. So it's an incredible game to take to a a deserted place. But also, in general, it's just a fantastic game. And I cannot wait for Persona 6 or whatever comes next. First is the dancing games for Persona 3 and Persona 5, which is going to be so cool because I loved dancing all night on the PlayStation Vita. And there are a lot of arcade games here in Japan that have... Uh, Persona 4 songs on them that you can dance to or you can play rhythm games to which is so much fun so I'm definitely looking to the new dancing games that come out next year but then after that Persona 6. Persona is just such a strong series and it's a definitely good way of kicking off our island of 2017 Here we go, off the rails, don't you know it's time to raise our sails? It's freedom like you never knew. Any bags, or a pass, say a word, I'll be there in a flash. You could say my hat is off to you. Oh, we can zoom all the way to the moon from this great wide wacky world. Jump with me, grab coins. So before we jump into the next game for the island of 2017, we actually have to talk about the island uh, of 2017 and, you know, where we're going to be this year. I mean, but last year we had the world of Final Fantasy 15, um, and how beautiful that was. And we wanted to, you know, sort of relax and take our times in the beautiful sights of that world. But today... We're going a little different. We're not going for an island. And it took me a long time to sort of decide on the actual island place. um, The sort of... The where we're going to go. Because there are so many beautiful... Um, worlds and places from video games this year of course we can talk about the you know Hyrule in Breath of the Wild and how beautiful that is and I imagine a lot of people are, are sitting there expecting that that was going to be my choice uh, of course because it's so beautiful and stuff like that but no it's not there is of course the world of Horizon Zero Dawn but that's full of giant robots so we wouldn't want to go there but there are many uh, I don't know many choices But of course, I sort of had to look at the next game on the list. And for anyone who knows me knows that this next game was, of course, going to be included. So when I came to choosing an island, this, this game had an abundance of great places to go. The game is, of course, Super Mario Odyssey. So the island we're going to go to is the Metro Kingdom from Super Mario Odyssey. So the island of 2017 our nice background to it, is going to be the Metro Kingdom from Super Mario Odyssey. So we're going to be dancing along to all the wonderful music that takes place. We can have the festival. We can have all those wonderful things that are happening in the Metro Kingdom. But you know what? We can sort of hang out and we can do some jump rope. We can drive a scooter. We can sort of hop on buildings and we can relax. It seems like a cool place to be. So I, I after a long deliberation in terms of the island, I think we're going to send ourselves the island of 2017 to to the Metro Kingdom. I hope you can all agree with me there. So of course talking about the Metro Kingdom, we have to jump into the next game on my list for the final eight of 2017 and of course it's the game developed by Nintendo EPD released only in October of this year the end of October on the 27th Directed by Kenta Motokura and produced by Yoshiaki Koizumi, who's sort of become the new face of Nintendo alongside Miyamoto-san, of course. It's the platform adventure game featuring our little favorite plumber. It's Super Mario Odyssey. And what can we say about Mario Odyssey that hasn't already been said or what people expect for me to say as someone who is a, a huge fan of Nintendo? It's... I think people had expectations with Mario Odyssey um, that it was going to be like Super Mario 64. It was sort of harking back to the the days of being able to sort of walk around freely in a level and just sort of experience that. And it definitely is that to an extent. But there, there I feel like there's so much more to Mario Odyssey where Nintendo have learned from other games in terms of building secrets and sort of looking at world building in unique ways and trying to sort of condense what what a theme can be and then purifying that into a kingdom and really just going all out on that theme and just having so much fun with it. And I don't want to spoil too much for people who haven't played the game, so I won't go too heavy into the kingdoms uniquely and why they're so special, but Each kingdom has a theme, and Nintendo definitely looks at that theme, the elements around the theme of that kingdom, and just plays around with it in such unique ways. That makes Mario Odyssey this weird collection of experiences that just are so fun. There is like only one word to describe Mario Odyssey for me, and that's joy. It's just pure joy. It's music, it's presentation, its gameplay, the way Mario moves, the way he interacts with Cappy, the way you can experiment in that game is just pure joy. It's so much fun to move and explore and there's just not much I can say other than what's already been said about this fantastic game. People expected a, a Mario game that Nintendo could pull off and they did but they did it in such a unique way where I don't think anyone sort of expected about how sort of different Mario Odyssey would be of course it's very familiar in the extent that you know it's Mario and Mario's platforming and there's a lot of jumping and diving and catching things and and that sort of playful Mario kind of way but when it came to you know, getting the moons instead of stars, and it being more of a collect collectathon game than previous ones. There's a lot of worlds that seem uniquely strange for Mario. Like when I first saw the Metro Kingdom and Mario being surrounded by real people, making Mario not a real person. <laughs> it it was a little off for me, a little weird to begin with, but. When you play the game, it just seems so natural and normal. And it's just so fun that it doesn't matter. And it all fits so well. And kind of goes back to that sort of don't bet against Nintendo kind of thing. Because they give you something that you don't think you want. Um, a lot of people were put off by the sort of Metro Kingdom, the New Donk City vibe. And there are so many other worlds in that that are just kind of uniquely strange for a Mario game. Like having a T-Rex is kind of out there for a Mario game, but it all works so seamlessly and so um, beautifully that Mario Odyssey is just pure joy to play and pure joy to experience. I had a long time sort of debating with a friend of mine recently about what our favorite games of the year are, and of course it sort of came down to a very select few, Mario Odyssey being one of them, and then the other giant Nintendo game that came out this year. Um but i would definitely say that even though i love the other game that we'll get onto as you can expect soon um i think mario odyssey might be my favorite game of this year um for more reasons than just it being a mario game and it being the game it is um mario odyssey came out at a sort of especially difficult period for me this year um towards the end of this year i had a sort of quite a, a big personal problem happening in my life as you can sort of imagine if you listen to final games regularly um due to the lack of content recently but mario odyssey came out at a time that was especially difficult for me so i took solace in playing mario odyssey and it and it was sort of my only outlet for positivity at this time and it just made me extremely thankful for experiences like this um and that there was such creativity and such joy out there, and it really did help me through a difficult period and I will admit when the festival happens, when you experience the the festival in New Donk City specifically, when all of the the sort of citizens of the city and Mayor Pauline are thanking Mario for his service, it definitely feels like a celebration of the character and nintendo in in general. It it uh, it overwhelmed me, and I, I I admit I cried a little bit during that um period, during that section of the game because it it hits me right where right where I sort of uh am emotionally connected to. Uh, video games are very important to me personally, and I think many of you listening to this will agree. Um, video games have a very special power and they can do a lot of healing in times that are difficult. Uh, we've spoken about that on Final Games before, that's kind of why we talk about games on Final Games. Um, and Mario Odyssey definitely did a lot of healing for me personally this year, and, and it was just pure joy in one of the more difficult times in my life um so i will always be thankful to super mario odyssey for more than one reason for it just being a very fantastic video game and of course it's endlessly replayable you can get 999 moons in that game Um, i currently have about 512 and i've not i'm i'm something like 50 odd hours into the game so it's a mario game that is just huge if you're going to take it to a deserted island um you can just play it for hours and hours you can get to the the sort of end game content which is incredibly challenging and a a wonderful thing to experience it's definitely frustrating in some some regards but it continually surprises me and the stuff you can unlock and all the stuff you can play with it's a wonderfully replayable game on top of being just a fantastic experience from the start of the story to the end of the story and i cannot wait to take. Super Mario Odyssey with me to the island of 2017 and play it all over again So jumping into the next game on the island of 2017, which we've now established is uh, New Donk City, the Metro Kingdom from Super Mario Odyssey. So we're going to a nice uh, built-up, dense city area, uh, which is funny because the next game we're going to talk about takes place in two very built-up, dense areas of uh, major cities in Japan, Osaka and Tokyo. Um, two sort of fictional versions of kabuki in Tokyo and... Uh, a fictional version of Osaka's Dotonbori, which I was just at the other day. Um, so this next game, I wasn't really sure what I was going to put on this list. I'd completely forgot it came out this year. It came out in January of this year and came out in Japan before I'd even arrived uh, back in 2015. So it, it kind of is an old game, but for us, it technically came out this year, finally, because we get these games a lot later than Japan does. But I can't help but think about just the f- the fantastic experience I had with this game. I'm so happy that the popularity of this series has sort of exploded, um, having played Yakuza 3 from the PlayStation 3 onwards to now playing this game, Yakuza 0, which came out this year, developed by Sega and directed, of course, by Kazuki Hosokawa. Um just seeing the Yakuza series explode in popularity and become sort of this huge franchise for Sega has been awesome because I love this game and I love the series. It, before I'd even moved to Japan, before I'd come here and seen just how popular it is over here as well, um, which is surprising to me given the subject matter. Of course, it's not called Yakuza here uh, here in Japan. It's called Ryogai Gotoku, which is a, sort of a spin on a thing about the yakuza um so the subject matter is a little weird considering how hush-hush you sort of talk about yakuza here in japan really but it's become this huge franchise and when they release games like yakuza zero i'm honestly not surprised that people have become obsessed with this series and have such an affinity for it because they have just so much fun they they are a weird blend of being able to take themselves incredibly seriously and act like a an amazing uh, Japanese crime drama or Japanese crime movie, uh, like uh, sort of a Takeshi Miike film. But then at the same time, they can be super silly and weird and have super stupid Japanese humor in them that is so contrasting to its serious tone sometimes when like Majima and Kiryu are very serious. Um, so it's, it's, it's a weird blend that just makes sense in a way, in a, in a way that, um, I can't quite describe to you why it works, but it does. And it very much hits on Japan as a country because Japan is definitely this incredibly serious, very by the book, play by the rules country, but at the same time, they're so silly so weird and i imagine all of you have a picture of what japanese tv looks like in your head having seen like game shows and tv night shows here in japan they are silly they are weird they are wacky so yakuza really reflects on what japan is like as a country this very serious country that has these seriously silly undertones to them and yakuza reflects that amazingly and especially so in yakuza 0 which is you know, the prequel to the whole series, which for me is fantastic because having been a fan of Yakuza since Yakuza 3, Yakuza 4, then Yakuza 5, and through all the sort of spin-offs from there, Kiryu, like Kazuma Kiryu, is one of my favorite video game characters ever. So seeing his sort of backstory, seeing where he came from, was a pleasure to experience and was something I really enjoyed. And it sort of goes back to when Kiryu was kind of a sort of a cocky little badass and you know Majima was sort of not as crazy as he was as he he sort of is in the future and just being able to experience like Majima's story in Osaka and which is very close to me over here um is so much fun and once again it hits me personally in the sort of same bone that Persona 5 does where it's like a weirdly fictionalized version of what i experience on a day-to-day um obviously we have fictional recreations of tokyo's Kabukicho and osaka's Dotonbori. you know in um sort of their versions in the game and it's very much like what I experience over here. my It's like fictional versions of my life. The fictional versions of the cities I, I stay in and I live here in and I go out in and I socialize in. So seeing all of the weird quirks about Japan that the Yakuza games sort of um, replicate and it, it just seems so normal to me, but I imagine it's so wacky to other people that it's really fun to sort of compare and talk about and contrast with. And above that... Yakuza has always been sort of my favorite games when it came comes to storytelling. They have the weirdly serious cutscenes that are so well acted and so well animated. I love the close-ups of the faces and how amazing Sega managed to model faces in those games. They look like the actors and the and the real Japanese people who portray the characters. Um, and the storytelling is always like kind of every cutscene ends in almost like a cliffhanger. There's always something that you want to know more about. Um, It's always very... If you're into sort of, like, crime dramas, like, especially, like, Asian crime dramas, like, Yakuza fucking hits the nail on the head in terms of tone and all that kinds of thing, Uh, definitely if you want, like, an insight into, like, Yakuza and stuff like that, it's very good at portraying a good story in very sort of serious ways. And I just love the storytelling. Um... And then it comes to the gameplay. The Yakuza gameplay is famous for its sort of brawling. And back when I think about like Yakuza 3 and maybe even Yakuza 4, like it was kind of slow The to go into the combat. You have obviously the sort of uh, transitional period between when you see like street thugs and then when you start fighting them in the street. And it was kind of slow and sluggish and going, but it was always fun to beat the, beat the shit into them. But now a Yakuza series sort of seamlessly transitions and the combat feels super fluid and uh, there's all these kind of moves and styles that you can change into. It's a bit more kind of like a Tekken game now than uh, like just an all-out brawler. And you can sort of put all your different points into these different skills and sort of make uh, both Majima and Kiryu kind of their own fighters that you customize which is really cool and they've expanded beyond that so you spend a lot of time fighting in the in this game and the Yakuza game so it's nice to have that sort of variety that they've offered in Yakuza 0 on top of that all the sort of side experiences that you have there's so many side quests that just lead to hilarious and strange uh, conclusions uh, (laughs) that are just so much fun to experience it's a wonderful game to play, and it's a once again, it's another big game. It's another game that's going to take you like 50 to 60 hours to finish. It's got so much to do in it. It's a great city in terms of like place to be. The experience definitely, if you're interested in Japan and you want to feel what it's like to be in a Japanese city, playing these games gives you a very accurate representation of that. Um, so. I can imagine chilling in the metro kingdom being in this sort of dense city anyway and then just sticking on the Yakuza games and feeling like I'm right at home here in Japan and I I can enjoy that. I definitely can enjoy that. So the next game we're going to be taking to the island of 2017 is of course Yakuza 0. I think you can tell by the music that we just played, the very distinctive whoa (laughs) music of uh, the game we're going to choose next. It's a game developed by Nintendo EPD and it's very, very, I don't know how to describe it, but it's very Nintendo. It's a game that on the surface looks weird and and. Not like it has much substance to it or depth. Um, It has a theme that it just runs with completely. Like a lot of Nintendo games do. They have like one central theme and then Nintendo just develops upon that and really just runs away with it from there. It's one of the early uh, Nintendo Switch games that came out when uh, it was sort of vying with other games around that time. But it was a highlight after the initial release of Breath of the Wild. And it's a game that's sort of been left by the wayside a little bit since release because of how strong the first year of the nintendo switch has been so it it, i I struggled with adding it to my list initially but then i recently played it again um at a party and recently in a hotel and this game's just fantastic and i love playing it so much i had so much fun with it when it came out it's so creative the characters are so beautiful um and there's a real depth to it if you really get into it. Of course, the game is the fighting game Arms that released in June of 2017 this year. It's Nintendo's sort of two-player boxing game that pits you against another character where you have these spring-like arms um, where you fire across the screen. You can use motion control to actually punch, or you can use the controller to you know play like a traditional fighting game. And the first thing you have to say about this game is it's not quite overwatch levels of character customize uh, not customization but character design but my god are the characters in this game amazingly well designed and fantastic to look at they 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 have such personality to them they really pop when it comes to color and they all have their unique theme that we once again we're talking about each has a theme that runs throughout their whole design they look fantastic you know look at characters like ninjara or uh ribbon girl or you know you know twin (laughs) There, there is like there is an amazing design to each character and, and it really shows i think nintendo's creativity when it comes to sort of just taking a theme and running away with it everything in this game is spring related everything has these bright vibrant colors and it's such a fun game to look at let alone play. So the, when it comes to playing, this game is so much fun. It's one of those games that isn't. It straddles the line, I think, like Smash Brothers does, where it's not quite a full fighting game. I think a lot of people will argue with me that it is because it has a lot of depth to it, especially when you get into customizing your your arms and the different like the gloves you can have on the end of your arms. Um, but it straddles the line between being a very fun fighting game and also like a party game where you can play with people and just sort of have fun and sort of have that random person playing with the motion controls, flinging their arms back and forth as they punch repeatedly. It it straddles that line and it's a lot of fun to just bust out with a few friends. Um, there isn't that many multiplayer games on the Switch at the moment. You have Mario Kart, you have um, a few other games, but there's not like any local multiplayer games that are on the Switch, so ARMS sort of fills that void, so uh, there have been a few times when a couple of friends of mine, we get together, or we're in a place and we're like, oh, we have the Switch, what should we play? Um, And it's like, of course we can play Mario Kart, but how about we try something different? And of course, ARMS always comes up as it's like the two the sort of, the 1v1 two-player game that we can sort of have a little competition about and sort of have like a round-robin thing and It's just so much fun to play. You you get like the punch in, and when the punches land, because not every punch lands is. It's hard to sort of land your punches and arms, which is something I really like. You have to sort of curve them, or you have to get them perfect. They're very easy to dodge. So there's all this kind of like meta game to them. So when a punch does land, it feels very satisfying. It looks really cool. The animations are fantastic. It's such a unique and strange game that it's just so much fun to experience and it looks beautiful and of course it's a game on the switch that made the the switch lineup for this year even stronger even if you you're not that interested in it for the long run if it's not a game you get into deeply it's a game that you have that you can just bust out and play like a couple of matches with some friends have some fun and you know put it away for a couple of months or something it's It's a wonderful experience that um, there are a few friends of mine within the video game media and stuff like that that really are pushing for arms to get more noticed. Um, Especially shout out to Chris Schilling, uh, the writer for places like Eurogamer and stuff like that, who absolutely adores this game and constantly talks about it on Twitter. It reminds me that it exists and that I really had a lot of fun with it. It doesn't have much substance when it comes to single-player games. So although we are going to a deserted island... It's not that great when it comes to you know, taking to a deserted place. It doesn't have a strong single player component to it but it's a lot of fun to play and I can play online and I can play against other people Uh, it has so much free DLC. Uh, It's continually been supported. The support has just ended with Dr. Coil being the last character. We've had so many free characters, so much free DLC from Nintendo in terms of this game. So it has quite a lot of I don't want to say legs <laughs> quite a lot of arms to it, to it to keep going um and it's just so much fun it's just pure fun and once again it's another game this year that is just provided me hours and hours of entertainment i think i played like 30 hours of this game um and it's a it's a one-on-one fighting game it's it's in, uh, incredibly designed and wonderful game to have for the switch and just once again proves just how strong this year has been for nintendo and that's why we're going to take it to the island of 2017 with me Okay, so (laughs) this year has been an incredibly strong year for Nintendo, and of course this list really reflects that. And once again, we're sort of diving into Nintendo and what they've been offering to us this year. Um, But it's a little different, because this game wasn't quite developed by Nintendo. It was a game developed by Mercury Steam, and isn't for the Nintendo Switch. In fact, it's for their other handheld, the Nintendo 3DS. It was published by Nintendo and, you know, had sort of help from Yoshio Sakamoto, who is the, you know, the sort of director of Super Metroid uh, back in the day. So there was the genesis of the Metroid franchise within this game. It released in September of this year and is a, is reflected in its title it is Metroid Samus Return. It truly is a return to form for Samus and the Metroid franchise after such a sort of long period of delays. We were all, I think, dogging on Nintendo for a long time about their sort of almost neglected stance on Metroid. And we had all these games getting refreshed or renewed Entries into their franchises and Metroid seemed to get left by the wayside until E3 of this year where we had the announcement of Metroid Samus Returns for 3DS. And also next year, potentially more information on Metroid Prime 4, which will be really exciting. But in September of this year, Nintendo did release a brand new Metroid game, um, which is brand new to an extent, but is a remake of Metroid 2, a game that released for the Game Boy Uh, many, many years ago, back in, I think, 1991. It's sort of a reimagining, less so a remake. Um, So it does sort of stand out on its own, and it's a game that I almost finished in one sitting, uh, and I just had such a blast with this game. It's so much fun. um, Getting all the power-ups like you traditionally do in Metroid games, sort of working your way through the, the sort of caverns of this... Uh, bra- uh, this sort of home planet on sr eighty eight, I think it's called. Uh, my memory sort of is not so great. But this just side-scrolling Metroid game, that was just so much fun. It, it looked beautiful on the 3DS. It used the 3DS, uh, 3DS's 3D capabilities incredibly well. And, you know, we're playing Samus again and exploring all these sort of hostile environments, having to sort of figure your way out and use the power-ups accordingly with the new... Um, sort of what is it counter system the melee counter system that you can use now you really felt powerful in this game but it was it was a tough game it wasn't it wasn't easy by any means it wasn't the hardest game ever but and it did have a lot of kind of bullshit bosses in it but it was so much fun and it was a good challenge it was a sort of perfect length as well I would like to say I did nearly finish it within one sitting I sort of I think it took me maybe two days to finish this game one being a very memorable uh day in a cafe in tokyo i'd arrived in tokyo for tgs earlier this year and i had a day to relax and before i went to a big pokemon uh, go event in yokohama here with uh eight four players john ricciardi um I was playing Metroid Samus Returns uh, from 6 a.m. in the morning in this cafe in Shinjuku, Tokyo, uh, till I think about 1 p.m., where I was just relaxing, just drinking some coffee, eating some breakfast, and I just played Metroid Samus Returns non-stop, uh, charging my 3DS the whole time uh, in this cafe. And I had such a great time. I was just completely absorbed in this game. It was so much fun to... Sort of have a game that did not hold your hand per se. I don't want to say that, but a game that made you explore, a game that made you look at the map and find the sort of dark areas and be like, okay, so how can I get here? Or how can I get through this wall? How do I break this? How can I climb over this? And you would experiment and try all these different things with Samus' power-ups. You would would explore a whole area, get to a point where you can't get past, then you would sort of backtrack, find a new power-up, and you'd be like, oh, now I can return... Back to the area, very much like the old Metroid games, especially Super Metroid. I don't think it's on the exact level of Super Metroid. Super Metroid stands out as a classic on its complete own. But in terms of being a fantastic game to play and such a pleasure to experience, Metroid Samus Return was a wonderful game. And I'm kind of sad it wasn't on the Switch, just because I I would want a game like this on the Switch to have with me at all times. It was a nice, almost swan song for the three DS. It was a nice way to go out. An old franchise that hasn't had much love um from Nintendo, getting this wonderful game in its franchise to sort of end the three DS's life almost in a lot of people's eyes, I think. It's the last big uh title, I think, for the three DS really. Um and just it was a joy to play on the three DS again, busting out of the three DS and playing through it. And uh Yeah, it was wonderful. And I think a lot of people had Maybe their reservations about Mercury Steam, they produced that Castlevania game on 3DS that didn't do so well, um, they had, what is it, Lords of Shadow, and I think a lot of people were kind of, so-so uh, about Nintendo giving it to Mercury Steam, but they truly, um, uh, pl- they did well, they busted it out, and they created a very faithful, wonderful Metroid game that, um, just fits right in with the rest of the franchise. It's a fantastic game that if you were a little apprehensive about or you missed because you're playing all those wonderful Switch games this year, definitely go back and check out Samus Metroid, uh, Metroid Samus Returns because it's awesome. And it's going to be going with us to the island of 2017. lot of you are going to be surprised by this next game. Of course, we've had the Nintendo games, and we will continue to have Nintendo games after this one. (laughs) And we've had a few interspersed, Persona 5 and uh, Yakuza 0, of course. Um, But this next game I don't think will be on anyone's uh, end-of-year lists. Um, I I don't... it's not that I don't know why, it's just it it fits in a weird genre and is a game that kind of has already been released a couple of years prior, before anyway. Um, it's a, re- a re-release with extended stuff. If you think of Street Fighter V, and now we're getting Street Fighter V Arcade, it's not like a brand new game, but it's sort of a second version of an already released game, but it did come out this year. Um, and it's a fighting game. It's an anime fighting game, so that sort of puts it in a niche of its own. But it's a game I spent so much time playing this year with my friends. I had so much fun sort of falling in love with fighting games again because of this game. I, For anyone who doesn't know, I used to play a lot of fighting games. Back when I was in university, I played Street Fighter 4 incessantly. I played Marvel vs. Capcom 3 incessantly. I played a lot of different anime fighting games and stuff like that. And I really had a fighting game kick where it was kind of the only games I played for a long time. I definitely sort of gone into the competitive sort of feelings about it. And uh, I watched Evo all the the time and I watched those kind of eSports competitions and I really got heavily into it. But... Sort of after a while, I got burnt out and I stopped playing and I put the fight stick down and I hadn't really touched them in a while. I never got on on with Street Fighter V. I'm I'm not a big fan of that game. And the new Marvel vs. Capcom game I haven't even played yet. Um, So I'd kind of sort of fallen out of touch with fighting games a little bit. And I went back to the UK earlier uh, in November and I'd played a little bit of this game prior. But I started playing Guilty Gear Xrd Rev 2, which, by the way, is a ridiculous title. It's an updated title to the, uh, the Guilty Gear Revelator series, um, which it plays on the Xrd thing. It released in March of 2017 this year in Japan and worldwide in June this year. And it's the latest version of the Guilty Gear series. And although I'd always enjoyed Guilty Gear, I'd never really got... In depth into it or played a lot of it. And this game is just stunning to look at. If anyone's seen Guilty Get exert onwards, you know that the animation is 3D models presented in sort of the anime style that Arc Systems does, um, but on a 2D plane, and it's incredible. It's one of the best looking games I've ever seen. Um, animation wise and design wise. It's so stylish. It's it's almost like persona for fighting games, I think. Obviously, there is the Persona Fighting Game, which is made by the same company company arc systems but it's so stylish it's so stylistic it's so fun to play It, it makes you feel cool it just makes you feel like a cool person playing this game when you pull off combos in this game uh you feel awesome you feel magic there's there's sort of a flashiness to it that you don't get from games like Street Fighter V where they feel a little more methodical, a little more thought out, whereas in Guilty Gear you can pull off an excellent combo that might not do much damage but it will feel heavy it will feel like you've dealt damage, like you've done a lot of harm to your opponent in the most stylistic and flashy ways it's an easy game to sort of get to grips with and there is so much depth to it once you start to get into it with all the different sort of modes and all the different sort of bursts and stuff that you can do the characters once again if we're talking about arms his character direction and having like a theme for each character the characters in guilty gear Exode 2 are just incredible <laughs> they have such a amazing themes to them you have obviously the sort of guilty gear um staples like slayer faust eno soul bad guy but then you have all the brand new characters um like uh what's his name uh uh the new sort of business ninja dude i forget his name but he's uh he's like a business ninja and he he's a ninja who has to do business um there's just so much ah oh, there's just so much um style and it goes so well with how well the game feels it's so satisfying to hit your opponent it's so satisfying to land a combo it's so much fun that even though in the past I used to get frustrated and angry and sort of rage at at fighting games specifically, I don't tend to rage at any other video game other than fighting games. But with Guilty Gear, I didn't care because if I lost, I lost to like a flashy stylistic combo that I enjoyed watching. And there is some humor to the intros and outros of each character and the sort of text uh, boxes that they have after they win. It's just kind of all joyous and colorful and it's it's a it's a wonderful game to sort of just look at and watch, and maybe when you play it feels nice. There's definitely a running theme here with my list about being colourful and bright. I don't know whether it's because 2017 as a real year with real news has been so dark and grim, um, that they're sort of joyful colours and bright creativity. Uh, of video games have stood out to me they usually do anyway more so than sort of gritty realistic games but especially this year there have been a lot of bright wonderful colorful games like guilty gear like arms like mario odyssey that have really just put joy back into my life (laughs) and have really just shown me like how creative and um wonderful that video games can be there's just such fun experiences and guilty gear at its core, is a very stylistic anime fighter that has a great depth to it. Um, It's not something I've reached yet. I'm just sort of enjoying playing with friends and getting into it. It's not something I want to um, get in depth to. Otherwise, it'll sort of spoil it and burn out for me. But if I'm going to go to a... Uh, deserted Island and I want to take a fighting game with me that I can practice and I can train and I can learn all these flashy combos This is the one I'd be wanting to take with me and uh, thanks to this game I am so incredibly excited for Arc System's next game, which is the Dragon Ball Z fighters game um, Being a big fan of Dragon Ball and of Arc System's fighters that game is going to be fantastic as well so Arc systems are having a great year uh and we're having a great year because they're releasing great games like this so i'm going to be taking the next game to the island of 2017 is going to be the surprising guilty gear xrd revelator 2 uh yeah yeah you expected nintendo games but you didn't expect that did you <laughs> but let's move back on to the next game in the island of 2017 So we've come to the second to last game on the list now. The second to last game that we're gonna be taking to the island of 2017. And of course I couldn't ignore this game. It wasn't on the list initially, but I thought about all the other games I could add over it. Like games like Neor, games like Marion Rabbit's Kingdom Battle, games like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, but I just couldn't I couldn't take I couldn't go to a deserted island and not take this game. I couldn't take those other games over this game for the amount of fun I've had with it. Um, The... Endless replayability that it offers if you're going to a deserted island, and just how stylish and once again colorful it is. There's definitely a running three <laughs> theme for this year's Island of 2017. I think we should just highlight it: joy and color, as <laughs> as the the episode title. But the next game is a third-person shooter that's based all around squirting ink at other opponents. It was developed by Nintendo E.P.D. and directed by Yusuke Amano and uh, produced by Higashi Nogami. Uh, it released in July of this year, once again making the Switch's early adopters have these amazing first 1st per- uh, party titles to play. It is of course Splatoon 2, one of the biggest games here in Japan and I mean it goes without saying. For anyone who's played Splatoon 2, I imagine you've got just as addicted as I have and my friends. It's a game that once you start playing it's very hard to put down. Uh, it hits you right in the sort of not ocd area but it hits you in the i must squirt ink everywhere i must i must not not stop i have to keep going i have to spray everything it's such a fantastic game and yeah we're going to a deserted island we want a multiplayer game we want uh we want a long lasting game and this game offers one, it offers incredible, uh, long lasting DLC, and Nintendo are always updating with the Splatfest. They're always updating with brand new stages, with brand new weapons, with brand new everything clothing, items. One thing you can't say about Nintendo is that their DLC um, policies are harsh. I mean, say what you like about Breath of the Wild, sort of $20 DLC packs, but in terms of arms and Splatoon 2, uh, we have fantastic free dlc that we're getting every month that makes the games last even longer splatoon even longer than arms so because there are definitely more players this game's huge here in japan and just has become one of the success stories of the most recent sort of gaming memory uh this the first game splatoon only came out just before i moved to japan which wasn't that long ago and i got on with that game very like a lot and i enjoyed it but i i because I was moving to Japan, I didn't get a chance to sort of get myself involved like I did um, with Splatoon 2. Uh, I sort of put it to the wayside and I never picked it back up again. But when Splatoon 2 came out and a couple of my friends were working on this game and they were telling me about uh, how it's shaping up and it's going to have this Salmon mode, Salmon Run mode that's um, going to be fun and it's going to have all these brand new stages that are going to be great and all these new weapons, I, I couldn't help but pick it up. Of course I had a Switch and it's another game I wanted to add to the Switch catalogue. But because it was on Switch and the ability to play it anywhere and the ability to hook up and play with other people and do Salmon Run and all these kind of things, it just gave Splatoon 2 more more of a, an appeal to me personally, and I imagine it did to so many others too. There's a lot more to do in Splatoon 2, and I think it's a lot more pre- a lot a lot better presented than the previous game in the series. Um, it plays like the other game. Its its multiplayer is so strong. It's incredibly intense and sometimes it can be a very frustrating experience when you have teammates on your team that just don't spray any ink or they don't know what to do. They go for kills and stuff like that. But when you're on a roll literally and you're using the roller and you're spraying all the paint and you're covering large areas and you you're racking up the kills and you're doing all this kind of thing it feels great Splatoon just gives you this excellent feeling of success and like you're really uh doing something for your team uh there are not many games that can portray like just how much um you mean to your team like we have games where kills means a lot but you you know you can have one player on your team who has 20 kills but dies 20 deaths and he does nothing, but in Splatoon, if a player gets tw- he gets one kill and 20 deaths, but sprays more ink than anyone, the balance is completely outdone, so there is this sort of almost unique element to Splatoon that gives you a sort of an advantage if you're not a great player, that you can help your team out no matter what, and it's just a lot of fun, and if we're going to the deserted island, we want a lot of multiplayer replayability games and Splatoon is one that just offers a great deal like nonstop, stop you have all the sort of mini games as well you have the rhythm game in the game to play the music is fantastic and once again it's so colorful it's so beautiful the graphics are lovely the character designs are great the little squid kids the inklings are awesome and uh, yeah I'm gonna take Splatoon 2 because it's bloody good it's bloody good um tell me what do you think of splatoon 2 because i'm interested to know how it's doing in the west here in japan it's kind of it's just everywhere you see it everywhere it's such a huge game all the kids play it here but how is it in the west i know there are a lot of fans over there but i'm I'm intrigued to know if it's just as big over there as it is over here in japan but we're going to be definitely taking splatoon 2 as the second to last game on the list for the island of 2017 now of course we have reached the final game for the island of 2017 the last game I'm going to be taking with me and my 8th favourite game from this year, another game that has surprised and delighted so many people around the world um, we're looking at it, back at it in hindsight now because it is the end of the year and a lot of people are sort of saying oh it's not as good as as it, as it as we thought it was and after in hindsight maybe it could have done a lot of things better but it's still on almost every Game of the Year list. It's it's won multiple, multiple Game of the Year lists, and for very good reason. Of course, I think anyone who knows me... I mean, this game only came out in March of this year, and it's already featured, I think, on four different Final Games lists for other people. For me personally, we've had long, intense conversations about how fantastic this game is, and just what about this game makes it so special. And I had this very discussion with someone recently about this and um sort of asked me to explain why it was so brilliant and actually you'll hear that in uh, the first final games episode of next year the first one that comes out next year but of course the final game i'm going to be taking with me is the de- game developed by nintendo epd it's directed by hideo Mari fujibayashi it's produced by aji aonuma and it was released on march 3rd 2017 it was a launch title for the nintendo switch and it is the latest in the zelda franchise it is of course the legend of zelda breath of the wild and i think if we're going to talk about any game for 2017 that you're going to take to a deserted island you're going to take this huge massive masterpiece of a game a game that provides hours and hours and hours of uh, gameplay and adventure and exploration and experimentation and challenge it's a game that almost has it all it's delightful to just be in the world it's delightful to experience the sort of chemistry of that world um, to not be told what to do a game that just allows you to do what you want to try whatever you want to pick something up and be like oh what can i do with this uh, where should i go with this Oh, there's a big mountain over there with a big stone pillar on it. I wonder what that is. And you just walk over there and you fight your way over there and you experiment and you explore. And there are not many games like Breath of the Wild, I think, at all. And I think considering what we know the Zelda formula to be like... Uh, you know, the very formulaic Zelda games of the past. A lot of people love those games and they're going to be, or well, maybe somewhat disappointed by how Breath of the Wild turned out because it really is not like any other Zelda game. Uh, a lot of people compare it to Zelda 1. It definitely has harkbacks to that, but as we spoke with John Ricciardi in our Final Games episode of this year, I don't think it's too much like Zelda 1. It stands alone on its own as A completely unique title. It's such a U-turn on the franchise. A lot of people expecting Mario Odyssey to be have the same sort of U-turn as Zelda does. uh, So on the Mario franchise, but no, I don't think anyone could have expected what Breath of the Wild was going to be like, and it came out and it was just fantastic. It was just such a such an incredible experience that I didn't expect. Spending hours and hours just exploring the world of Hyrule here, the the um, the pure mass, the land mass of the world is just huge, and it it makes you feel incredibly small and a part of this ginormous, huge world that is there to be tamed, there to be explored, there to be um, sort of conquered, almost by your your version of Link. What are you going to do to do it? And the story is, you know, so-so. It's a Zelda game. It's presented kind of nice in these sort of voice-acted, like, memories that you can experience, but they're few and far between. Uh, But that's not really what it's about. The, the, The character of the game is definitely the world. The best character is the world. And the chemistry of everything, how everything flows together, how Link interacts with everything, how fire and ice and water and wind and stamina and, you know... All those kind of things work together in unison is fantastic and incredible and there's really nothing much like it. Say what you like about breakable weapons, yeah, then probably not the best thing in the world. And in hindsight, I think Nintendo probably should have changed that maybe. But in terms of the overall game, it's I can't add much more to what's already been said about Breath of the Wild. I think we're going to be talking about Breath of the Wild as one of the best games of all time. Uh, for a very long time to come it's going to sit in that weird category where everyone still talks about ocarina of time as being one of the best games of all time and there's definitely going to be counter arguments to that people in the future are going to be like breath of the wild should have done this it should have done that there's a there's some negative connotations i think to breath of the wild in terms of like i think the the sort of the beasts the dungeons for the beasts are a little weak and they're not that great they're kind of Although they're kind of magical in the sense that they take place within the world. There's no like loading screens between them and you are actually sort of in the world um, uh, is amazing. But in terms of like the actual environments and that are, uh, they're kind of weak. But when it comes to the shrines, the shrines are like these bite-sized, almost mobile game-like puzzle elements that that require you to really use what you've learned about Breath of the Wild and use your sort of unique uh, items and your unique sort of experimentations that you as the player are given to to sort of spend 10 to 20 minutes doing this little shrine and gaining like a, a a sort of small piece to make you better and i think that's fantastic and i think the shrines are one of the best parts of breath of the wild but when it comes to the sort of the beasts dungeons being more like a traditional zelda dungeon they're they're a little weak and um they could have used uh, maybe uh I don't know how to improve them, really, personally. Um, I think they maybe could have been... The boss fights could have been better. Finding the different elements of Calamity Ganon was kind of a little boring. and um, Especially in a game that was so full of surprises, it could have been a little better, I think. But overall, Breath of the Wild is one of the best experiences I've ever had playing a video game. Being able to play it on the Switch just added to it. Being able to play it on the bus, on the train. Uh, being able to play it on the plane to the UK it was just wonderful. And um, when making this... This list for this final episode of 2017, Um, I picked it up again and I started playing through the sort of Champions of Ballad and just sort of experiencing it again. And I remember I I opened my save and I was in Rito Village, so the bird village for anyone who's played the game. And I remember just sitting there looking at the environment, listening to the music, and it has that wonderful sort of almost Wind Waker-esque tune. And it's just beautiful. It just, just all the memories of what I've experienced of Breath of the Wild so far, and just how much I love that world, um, is is amazing. And I loved it so much. And of course, if I'm going to take any game with me to to the island of 2017, albeit though I think Mario Odyssey might be my favourite game, I think this is definitely the game that I would want to take with me. It's just huge, it's just fantastic. Um, And I personally am very lucky that I got to thank A.G. Alnuma, Alnuma Alnuma-san this year, earlier this year, for how fantastic Breath of the Wild was. I got to thank him personally, uh, (laughs) which was great, Uh, and I shared a few drinks with him over just how wonderful this game was, and that was such a highlight that added... To making 2017 in terms of games very special for me. So, I think the final game, of course, I'm going to take with me is Breath of the Wild. And I imagine many of you are the same too. So that is that, we have come to the end of the Island of 2017, the end of year Final Games episode in which we take eight games with us to the Island of 2017. The Island, of course, is the Metro Kingdom from Super Mario Odyssey, and we have a list of games that features games like Zelda Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Persona 5, Yakuza Zero, Metroid Samus Returns, Guilty Gear x 2 Revelator, Splatoon 2, ARMS, And there are so many more games out there that could have made this list. I imagine a lot of you are sort of talking right now or sort of maybe discussing with friends about the games that I missed that you loved. Horizon Zero Dawn, Neo, Resident Evil 7, PUBG. So many wonderful games this year. You cannot argue about how fantastic uh, 2017 has been in terms of video games. And we can only hope that 2018 is just as strong as this year, and we can hope that we have such a difficult decision when it comes to Game of the Year lists next year as well. Um, so, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, and, and in terms of taking a console from this year, I mean, it's got to be the Switch, right? Uh, if, if anyone's asking that question, that's my answer. We've got to take the Switch with us because it's just been such a fantastic year for the Switch and Nintendo in general. But, thank you so much for listening this episode of final games i totally understand that you're all sort of questioning if final games was even going to continue or what was happening with it uh as i sort of hinted at a little bit in the mario odyssey segment um from october onwards this year i sort of had a, a very difficult time i managed to try and get some episodes out like michael Pactor and a few episodes here and there for that uh which I, i'm happy i got out but i do apologize for the sort of distinct lack of episodes towards the end of the year but I'm uh, everything seems to be okay now and I'm definitely focused on getting FG back on track. I've already recorded the first episode of next year that's going to be going live sort of maybe the first or second week of January um, and it features a fantastic guest which I am so excited for you all to hear. Uh, he's, he's one of the standout game directors of our generation of video games so i'm very excited for you all to hear his list and that episode it's a bumper three hour episode that i'm so incredibly proud of that i can't wait for you to hear 2017 although a little week towards the end you know we had fantastic guests like derek Yu, rami ismail jim crawford mary kish chris avalon and harvey smith so if you haven't listened to any of those episodes please go back and check them out Of course, if you do like listening to me podcasting and stuff like that, I also now have a a new show that I'm doing with Super Bunny Hop, uh, George Weedman. if you've ever watched his YouTube videos, uh, and Matt Visual. We have a brand new podcast, a weekly podcast where we talk about games and movies and comics and anime and all that kind of things on a weekly basis. It's called The Dad and Sons Podcast, and uh, the third episode has just gone live today. Uh, so I hope you enjoy that. Please check that out if you still want to listen to me talk about video games. But other than that, other than that hopefully Final Games will be coming back strong in 2018 and I thank you so much for all of you um, sticking with me, supporting me through Patreon, supporting me through comments and emails and people asking me how I've been and all that kind of things. Video games are so important and A big part of that is the people who play them and the people I sort of socialize with and I get to talk to through Final Games has been so wonderful. And I want to thank you all so much for sticking with me and listening to me throughout this year and hopefully through next year as well um i wish you all a very merry christmas a happy new year and i really wish you all the best in 2018 and i wish you all get time to play all the video games that you missed this year and all the wonderful games that will come out next year too but other than that i hope you enjoyed this episode of final games and as always you can find final games on itunes you can rate and review it if you search for final games you can find it on soundcloud at soundcloud.com forward slash final games podcast you can find it on acast stitcher and all those wonderful places where you can get podcasts of course, you can find me on Twitter at Liam BME, and you can find Final Games at Final Games Show. Other than that, I really hope you have an amazing holiday. You get to play all the video games, eat all the food, spend time with all the people you love and just have a wonderful, wonderful time. Other than that, thank you so much for listening to this episode and I hope to see you again in 2018. Goodbye.